0: Time to talk about erectile dysfunction here on The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. So many men suffer from this Do they have to? Well, to answer that question for us today and to talk about the most popular foods and whether or not they could, in fact, also be contributing to ED is Dr. Robert Osfeld. Now, he is the Director of Preventative Cardiology at Montefiore Health System up in New York City. And thank you so very much for being here, my friend.
1: Chuck, it's a great honor to be with you here today with the audience, with PCRM. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it is. I always get giddy when you're on the show because you are a guy that just you bring the character with you. You bring great information, but you have this awesome personality, too. And so you put that together. And my friend, we are about to make some podcast magic.
1: Well, you're very generous. And after that, I'm just I'm never leaving.
0: (laughs) Stick around. It's a marathon. All right. uh, Here we go. Uh, Erectile dysfunction. Uh, More men suffer from it than I think a lot of us would really believe because i think a lot of guys won't even admit that they have it because it's demasculating so uh right off the bat how many people like how common is ed well i think
1: you're spot on and i think our epidemiology or measures of it in society probably underestimate how common it is for exactly the reason you're talking about you know people they don't want to talk about it there's a stigma with it they may be embarrassed so uh, i'm with you so but if you look at the studies About 15% of men between 40 and 59 years of age report some degree of erectile dysfunction. Uh, Men in uh, their 60s, it's about 45%, and 70% of men over 70 years of age. So it's pretty common, and I bet we underestimate it, particularly in the younger age groups. And I should say the way that we're defining erectile dysfunction is uh, the inability to attain or maintain an erection sufficient for sexual performance. And you can get, of course, more specific than that. There's a, a questionnaire, the IIEF-5 score, the International Index of Erectile Function, five questions, it's a questionnaire, it's five questions. And you get five points per question. And if you're, you can pull it up online. Uh, it's pretty simple. And if your score is between 22 and 25, that's normal erectile function. And then there are grades mild, mild to moderate, severe erectile dysfunction, the lower the scores get. So there's a fairly easy way to somewhat objectively uh, quantify one's erectile function. But I think you're right. I think it's way more common than we discuss.
0: There we go. Uh, and when you think about ED, you just mentioned how the likelihood inc- seems to increase as we get older, right? So you may chalk that up to age. You may chalk that up to, I've been partying too much tonight, right? You know, too much whiskey. Can't can't do my thing. Uh, maybe tired. Uh, you may just think, well, look, I'm just not into the person right? So you have a number of excuses there. But I think that the last thing somebody is thinking when that's happening to them is, well, this could be due to something that I've been eating. How much of this can be tied back to diet?
1: A lot of it can be tied back to diet. You're absolutely right. Um, And there's a variety of things that can cause erectile dysfunction. And they kind of lump them into organic causes, meaning like a physiologic cause or medical medical reason a uh, a psychological cause um, you know anxiety depression or maybe drug related um, so but organic causes are broad and they're often vascular or blood vessel related the endocrine like testosterone or thyroid hormone related um, and uh, uh, neurologic because the nerves play a role in that as well so diabetes could could impact it, but vascular erectile dysfunction or vasculogenic is the most common reason to have erectile dysfunction. Now, sure, you could be tired one night, maybe you had too much to drink, maybe you're really stressed about something. Those are things that can also impact it, but you know, maybe transient, but vasculogenic erectile dysfunction is the most common uh, organic category of it. And that is largely due to blood flow into the penis. So I guess, so getting an erection um, and, and blood flow is of course related to diet. So getting an erection is a psychological event. It is a vascular event, a neurologic event, and also the endocrine system plays a role. So if there's some kind of like physical or psychological stimulation, then the endothelial cells that line the artery going to the penis, secrete some nitric oxide and help the penis dilate and blood flows into the penis. So you could see if there is uh, an unhealthy diet, injuring arteries, injuring endothelial cells that could meaningfully impact erectile, uh, erectile function. Um, and so the blood flows in and then it goes into these uh, venous sinuses Um, That slowly fill and engorge the penis and then when that happens they engorge they engorge they grow and they hit up against some fibrous tissue making it hard for the venous blood to drain and so when that happens the penis stays hard uh, and you're you're, you're able to have a a sexual act Uh, so anything in terms of blood flowing into the penis or blood flowing out of the penis there's a problem with that that can cause erectile dysfunction. Now, in terms of diet, we know that diet negative, or, uh, diet significantly impacts blood vessel function, <clears throat> whether it be in a positive or a negative way. And the artery of the penis isn't immune to that either. Uh, atherosclerosis or vascular disease is a systemic disease. It affects the blood vessels in our heart, to our brain, and also to our penises. So what we eat profoundly can impact um, our erectile function over time. And there certainly are some small randomized controlled trials where they put people on a, a Mediterranean style diet versus just kind of general recommendation in a Mediterranean style diet, having more vegetables, more fruits, more whole grain, and they saw improvements in erectile function over time. So diet plays a very important role uh, in this.
0: So let me just see if I can summarize there. Basically, what you're saying is in terms of blood flow, right? So you think blood flow, you think blockage. And blockage, that's a big problem. So then is ED then potentially a sign of worse things to come? Wow, Well,
1: that's a great, great question. And we frequently call erectile dysfunction the canary in the coal mine for heart disease. Why do we say that? Because the artery to the penis is smaller than the arteries to the heart. So by the time you have a blockage in the artery to the penis that's negatively impacting blood flow to the penis, it's exquisitely likely that you also have cholesterol disease in the blood vessels throughout your body, including to your heart, but those are bigger blood vessels so it may not have clinically manifest. But typically, when someone has overt vasculogenic erectile dysfunction, We call that the canary in the coal mine because it often heralds future cardiovascular events. Often within two to three years after a diagnosis of vasculogenic erectile dysfunction, someone may develop angina or chest pain, poor blood flow to the blood, from poor blood flow to the blood, uh, to the heart, the muscles of the heart. Um, And about five years later, they may actually develop an, uh, an overt cardiovascular event like heart attack. So you're absolutely right. Diet impacts blood vessel function, diet impacts um, erectile function. Erectile function is the canary in the coal mine for cardiovascular disease or heart disease. These are all tied together. It's a common theme.
0: And I think that in terms of ED, right, uh, the way that I'm understanding it basically is anybody, it can happen to anybody at any time, basically for any reason, right? Be It's psychological, you could be thinking about something else, and, well, you know, it's just the bucket of cold water in there, right? So um, at what point, though, should somebody become concerned? Like what frequency, if it's happening more than a handful of times? Yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, uh, it's hard to define that precisely. But if you don't have like an overt reason for it having happened a couple of times, like you haven't you haven't slept, uh, you know, you don't have uh, maybe you drank too much, like you were saying, maybe you're super anxious about something. Um, so if it happens a couple of times, I don't get too concerned if you have that kind of uh, reasonable explanation. But if it begins to happen consistently, um, and how do you define that? Don't know uh, exactly, but ha- I guess I would define it as happening when you don't have an obvious, overt other reason. Uh, then it's very worth talking to your doctor about it. Um, and, you know, it's, it ca- people can feel uncomfortable about talking about it, and I can often, you can kind of sense when a patient wants to talk about it, they kind of get an uncomfortable look in their eyes, and you want to make them feel, of course, as comfortable as possible talking about it, because the kinds of risk factors that can lead to vasculogenic erectile dysfunction are the same ones that lead to coronary artery disease, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, diet, lifestyle, et cetera. And those are things, smoking, those are things that can be addressed um, in the physician's office and, and by the patient. So if it's happening, you know uh on a somewhat regular basis without an overt alternative explanation talk about it with your doc if you' seen- not sure just talk about it with your doc like there's no harm in that uh,
0: what so here's an interesting just from a lay perspective right from the patient perspective bringing that up can be one of the most difficult conversations ever it is emasculating it can be embarrassing you just don't want to do it but is it as embarrassing from a doctor perspective, is there any reason in your eyes that the patient should be shy about talking about it?
1: No, it's it's actually like kind of a bummer to me when patients don't bring up stuff that's an issue for them. Um, and also it, it, it can be detrimental to your health because like you were saying, you know, it can herald the problem. It can be a canary in the coal mine. So it's an opportunity to address issues you know, before there's some sort of you know heart attack or, or an overt cardiovascular event. So it's sort of like in a weird way an opportunity lost to help someone. So, you know, like docs have you know been around the block, seen a lot of things, you know, you go through training, you see all kinds of stuff. Um, and I understand that it's uncomfortable, I understand it's embarrassing, but uh you know please bring it up with your doc they should not feel uncomfortable talking about it at all if they don't have a lot of experience with it they could very easily uh, refer the person to a cardiologist or a urologist uh, to help them with the issue but please bring it up
0: And we know that a plant-based diet, we've seen cases where it can really reverse heart disease. So would I be correct in assuming that if somebody does have erectile dysfunction and they begin to eat that healthy, whole food, plant-based diet, would that then help them get up for the get down?
1: (laughs) Well, to me, it's a great question. We don't unequivocally know that. There there are randomized trials with the Mediterranean-style diet, which is more plant-based where people do better Uh, uh, stopping smoking they can do better losing weight in randomized control trials they do better exercise is helpful all those things are helpful for health in general and also for erectile function but whether a fully plant-based diet can reverse it we don't honestly know the answer to that my hypothesis is yes um and i base that uh you know, on extrapolating from data of the the randomized Mediterranean, by Esposito, the Mediterranean uh, style diet trials, where that helped, Um, and of course, it's more plant-based. And and your group, PCRM, did a wonderful study comparing a plant-based diet to a Mediterranean style diet, and they saw that on a plant-based diet, people lost more weight, their cholesterol fell more blood pressure fell more in both groups, but more so in the Mediterranean arm. So there was, you know, there's benefits in, in both, uh, but there was, seemed like overall more benefit in the plant-based arm. Now, erectile function wasn't an endpoint in that study that, that's, that I recall. Um, but, you know, and you can extrapolate from other data that consuming more plant-based nutrition under the umbrella of a Mediterranean-style diet might be helpful, for example, in the PREDIMED trial, which is a randomized controlled trial, people at risk for cardiovascular disease but didn't have overt cardiovascular disease, probably enriched for erectile dysfunction. Um, And they were randomized to a Mediterranean-style diet versus basically a Western-style diet. And those randomized to the Mediterranean-style diet did better long-term. They did an a priori-defined post hoc analysis of that study, and they found that those who ate more plant based nutrition under the umbrella of a Mediterranean style diet did better, had lower mortality. So, one could hypothesize that based on that, it's probably also helpful for erectile function, but that's a hypothesis. So, I think it is better. I have patients who go plant based and then tell me, you know, one guy said he was a rock star in the bedroom. You know? <laughs> so, uh, the, it's anecdotal. I can't unequivocally tell you. And we're about to launch. Uh, hope very soon, a randomized trial, a uh, short-term study looking at the impact of dietary pattern on erectile function in young, healthy men. Uh, so we'll see. We're going to look at a, a plant-based diet versus an animal-based diet, and we'll, we'll see what we find
0: tell you a funny story uh in the documentary the game changers that came out a few years ago uh there was this scene where um they were looking at three college age athletes and they were basically looking at them for uh the strength and length of their erections um at night when they were sleeping right and so i'm sitting there and and a bunch of us from the office went and we screened this movie at a theater. And I'm sitting next to this one woman who, uh, when this first happened, she's like, Oh my God. You know, she's like turns away. She's embarrassed. And then they get to the results showing the gentleman who ate the whole food plant-based diet uh, for dinner, um, (laughs) you know, did a little bit better, you know, at night, it was a little bit firmer, lasted a little bit longer. And then she, that, Oh my God, went to, Oh my God." God. So again, all in the tone. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Uh, that's a great documentary if you haven't had a chance to say, uh, see it yet. I highly recommend it. Dr. Osfeld, um, before I let you go, Uh, I spent some time on Google before we hopped on here together today. And I was looking, I said, well, what are the most popular foods that we here in the U.S. are eating? And I came up with 10 of them. Uh, And if you don't mind, I was hoping we could just kind of go down this list and you could give me the thumbs up, thumbs down as to whether or not these foods could contribute to ED. Okay, sure. Sure. All right, let's start with number 10, the burrito. I'm assuming
1: that, you know, with, with a burrito, we're talking about a lot of animal-based food, you know, like a lot of meat and cheese and sour cream and that. So from my mind, and, and you know, you could extrapolate for I saw the Game Changers awesome movie recommended to everyone, and, and some of their work helped influence our study. And Dr. Aaron Spitz, the urologist in that movie, is going to be part of our, our study. Um, the, uh, um, so yeah, so, so even extrapolating from that to me, that's a thumbs down.
0: Next one, donut, could a
1: donut contribute to ED? Yeah, it's hard to find a situation where donuts are helpful. So I'm going (laughs) to give that a thumbs down as well.
0: Well, uh, number eight on the list, the good old-fashioned peanut butter and jelly. You know,
1: I'm a little more mixed on that one. You know, peanut butter, if you just have a nut butter, you know, without all the because sometimes you get it and it's got all this other stuff thrown into it. But sometimes it's just a nut butter. Uh, and it could be maybe it's on whole grain bread, you know, with a little bit of the jelly. Maybe that's sort of a, kind of a even. But I'm sort of being super optimistic. I can't imagine that the average peanut butter and jelly sandwich is like that. There's probably a lot of white bread and a ton of ton of the sugary jelly uh, and not. The more healthful nut butter, so I'm gonna give that like a sorta thumbs down, like 45 degrees down.
0: 45 degrees, okay. Uh, here's a one, number seven. Can you get the blue box blues in the bedroom? Good old fashioned a macaroni and cheese. What say you?
1: I say thumbs down. Super fatty cheese uh, and uh, you know white white carb, simple refined carb uh, pasta.
0: Ice cream, milkshakes, the dessert menu. Thumbs up, thumbs down for Ed. Um, I mean, thumbs down.
1: <laughs> if you, if and if you know, like, honestly, from my hypothesis is, although this would be weird, like, if you're on a date and there may be something happening later, you might want to have a salad as part of your dessert. Now, I don't know if that will impact anything in other ways, but to me, that would seem to be stacking the odds the best in your favor. <laughs> Myopically just from an erectile function standpoint.
0: Gentlemen, be sure to listen to your doctors. A <laughs> uh, lot of irony in this one. Number five, the hot dog.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, um, that's definitely part of the erectile dysfunction starter kit. Um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the highly processed meats, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I do not think, uh, that to me is like two thumbs down fried
0: chicken comes in at number four
1: it's you know it's like kind of a bummer like i'm sort of hoping that one of these things will be at least sort of neutral but i i would fried
0: chicken i would say is a thumbs down number three i'm not sure that this is going to get any better number three french fries yeah i'm just going to just stay
1: like this (laughs) and um you know i'll change if i need to all
0: right number two hamburger any changes no, no changes
1: uh, from my standpoint. I mean, you can you could talk about the saturated fat, the heme iron, the new five GC, the cholesterol that's in it. You know, whatever, like maybe uh, um, if they put, I don't know. Sometimes people put mayonnaise on there on their hamburger, the white bread bun. So for me, that is a hands down.
0: And, um, and the number one most popular food in America. Pizza, what say you, Dr. Osfeld? Um, it,
1: thumbs down. but <laughs> uh, Shocker. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. Like we, the fellows where, where I work at Montefiore, they have this EKG conference every week and they get pizza. You know, comes when they have the EKG conference, sort of like kind of incentivize the, incentivizes them to come to the conference. But I made sure that one of the pizzas is vegan. So, there's like five, six pizzas, but one of them is vegan and it gets eaten and it's got all kinds of vegetables and as a tomato sauce and everything else. Everything's the same. Just it just doesn't have cheese. It has a ton of vegetables on it. So, it's kind of, I like it because I think it's a little healthier. Uh, and also, it keeps them thinking about nutrition and nutrition oriented stuff, even during EKG conference, because I want it to drill into their heads and into their patients' heads. So, to me, with the cheese, all the saturated fat, the white flour, Uh, it's a thumbs down.
0: What about if somebody got it with vegan cheese? Would you feel the same way?
1: Um, I probably would. uh, I'd have to see what's in the vegan cheese. Some of them are healthy. Some of them are have a lot of fat. And I mean, certainly, you know, from perhaps an ethical standpoint or environmental standpoint, that's certainly a plus, but it's not necessarily
0: a plus from a health standpoint. Well, I'll tell you what's a plus is the fact that you have people who are going for that veggie pizza. I mean, people, you know, up until I, I started hanging uh, around other vegans, it was like you, people see a veggie pizza and they run the other direction. People yeah. who haven't run in years somehow exactly. find it in them to run in the opposite direction to that pepperoni pizza. So good on you, sir. Grab yeah, these uh, same bolts of pizzas. I'm I'm telling you what, man. I'm telling you what. Uh, And I'm telling you what right now, uh, viewer. If you want to learn more about this, I highly recommend checking out Dr. Osfeld's presentation at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine that's coming up July 15th through the 17th. Uh, Your presentation, I love this title, Erectile Dysfunction, The Long and Short of It. Fantastic.
1: Oh, thank you. You're very generous. Uh, it's been, it's been interesting, you know, preparing for the talk, uh, get to learn a lot. So I'm excited to, to share the information.
0: Absolutely. And I, I'm sure you're going to go far more in depth on things than you and I got an opportunity to discuss here today. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So here's the deal. You can save your spot for that presentation and the entire conference, July 15th through the 17th, by heading over to pcrm.org slash ICNM. And just for you, we have a promo code you can use to save $50 off the cost of registration. Just use exam room, one word when you register to save $50 when you save your seat for ICNM 2021, July 15th through the 17th. Dr. Rob Osfeld, thank you so very much, my friend. You are amazing as always.
1: Well, you're incredibly generous. I love being here with you. And I love that conference. It's phenomenal. And in person, it's terrific. It's the highlight of the year. So, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing remotely as well. So thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, my friend.
0: We'll talk again soon. If your health IQ was a couple of points higher than it was a few minutes ago, go ahead and like this video or subscribe to the YouTube channel. And to take it even higher, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Look for the exam room by the Physicians Committee. Hit the subscribe button there as well and help to make your world a healthier place.